It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Here with Matthew Renshaw on the Unplayable Podcast. We were supposed to catch up at the SCG, which uh, was going to be a, a really nice uh, backdrop for, for this chat because you've got some good history at the SCG and it's just where you might play a game of cricket in a couple of days' time as well. But we're in a, in a pretty good backup venue. Uh, Matt, um, last time you were on this podcast, you were telling us about the turf in your backyard. Um, before we talk about cricket, before we talk about test cricket or what you might or might not play, um, how's the turf going in your backyard? Um, yeah, we'll start with the important stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not too sure. I actually sold my house in um, Did you? yeah oh. in, in April, um, looking to move somewhere else. Um, keep driving past it and making sure that the the new owners are cutting it to my my standards, but they're not quite out the front. So I um, might have to leave a little note through the letterbox just saying, "Come on, just sort the, the yeah. grass out, get it get it cut lower." <laughs> How's it taking when you've kind of gone on your drive bys? Um, it's still like quite thick. Um, it still looks like the the grass. Um, it's just they don't cut it as as low and as frequently as me. I think <laughs> um, obsessively. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's a big big thing. Like, did you think about potentially transporting? That's for people who who aren't familiar with this, listening on the podcast. Uh, Matt dug up. Well, not, well yeah, you actually did yeah, kind of a lot of it, up yeah. the Allen Border Field. Uh, turf and put it in your in your front yard. Yeah, so the AB field was getting renovated and and completely done up, and I saw an opportunity to take the the grass out off it. Um, probably not one of my smartest decisions. It was really hard work. We had a, a Ute um, lose a battery on the middle of AB field. Um, just had to walk over to Brothers to try and find someone to who had jumper leads. Um, but yeah, it was a, a tough ordeal, but it was um, quite nice afterwards to, to say that I had AB turf. Um, if I find a new place and buy it, I know that the Gabba might need renovating in a few years' time for the Olympics, so might need to try and steal some Gabba turf um, in a few years' time. That is a very good point, and you are a man who uh, is keeping track of all the turf around Brisbane, where it may or may not be going. Um, the turf you're more worried about is uh, is what's on the, the middle of the SCG. But even before I ask you about that, I wanted to ask you about Michael Nisa, which is kind of the, the catch, which is the talk of talk of cricket at the moment. Yeah, he um, copied me, didn't he? Well, I mean, that was my question. Yeah, I mean, have you been in touch with him? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, no, I saw it straight away, and as soon as he did it, um, I knew it was out because I've, I've seen the rule before, and then... Um, I was actually on the phone to Joe Burns when it happened um, and he was telling me it was, wasn't out and I was like, no, that's that's out. I'm pretty sure about it. Um, I did it. I, I did it. Um, I think mine was probably a bit more difficult because I had to pass it to someone else. Um, mm. Ness threw it to himself, which is a bit easier, mm. uh, I think. But, no, I had um, Ben's band standing in five minutes away and I had to sort of parry it to him, volleyball it to him. So I'd say mine was probably a lot more difficult. Was it the exact same corner of the gap? Same corner. Um, pretty, like, it was, mine was weighty left-hander over long on. His was silky over the long off. So it was probably the exact same 
we probably if we had an aerial shot, we might be able to work out if it's the exact same bit of turf. Um, but no, it's it's weird that it was the exact same place that it's happened in the past. And significant that it was the exact same place. And this is kind of my question. I think the question a lot of people are asking in the debate that's going on is, yes, it's it's obviously a catch. What both of you have done is within the rules. But kind of that pocket seems like there's quite a lot of space between the rope and the boundary. Yeah, well, I was I was reading an article today about it and it showed all the different types of catches that have happened throughout history. I remember seeing like the uh, Maxwell one where he threw it and came back in. But it's funny how there's some grounds where there's two metres of uh, rope and even like you've got cameramen, you've got the ball uh-huh. ball kids sitting around, you're not sure if you're going to stand on them. It's probably lucky that one of the ball kids wasn't five metres the other way and, and Ness might have knocked him over and then tried to call interference like uh-huh. he did in handball back in the day. Well, and so that's, I mean, that's kind of a question to you is do you have a concern that when the play, beyond the playing field actually becomes part of the playing field, that you know, you've got ball boys, you've got broadcasters, you've got camera guys, you've got sometimes journos like me wandering around there at the end of the game hoping to get an interview when it's all done. When that kind of becomes part of the playing arena, are there concerns for players? Yeah, actually I was, um, when we were playing the PMs game at Canberra, I was fielding in front of the West Indies dugout and a lot of them had their gear right in front of the, the dugout. And so I'm sort of like thinking about if I get a top edge here and I've got to sort of dive back. So I've like started moving the the helmets and they're all like, oh, what are you doing? And I was like, I oh, just like they, they were taking, taking the mick, but I was like, oh, I'll just move the, um, move the helmets just in case you have to. And I think that's something that, like I always think about that if I'm on the boundary, like water bo- water bottles as well. Like if you mm. have a drink and throw it back, you've probably got to throw it a bit further so that if you do dive back, you don't trip over and do something quite serious potentially. Yeah, or, or like full of eskies, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd make sure those eskies are a bit further away. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. Now I, I want to ask you about uh, the test stuff because that's what, what you're here in, in Sydney for. Um, what's it been like being back in the squad? Yeah, it's a it's a strange old thing. Um, it's been a, a long time between between drinks for me. Um, it was something that I've always been aspiring to do, but it's always you get asked this question a lot. Oh, you you want to be back, and, and obviously you do. Everyone wants to be playing um, Test cricket for Australia, but I think in the past few years it was more reinventing why I was playing cricket and. A lot of the time it was always, yes, I, would, I was only playing to get back for Australia, but mm. more the last few years it's been no, I'm just playing cricket and if I play for Australia that's going to be awesome and it's going to be a great time, but it's not putting it on a pedestal. It's I'm playing cricket. If I play well, I'll play for Australia and, and that's sort of the way that I've been trying to think about it um, as much as I can. But, yeah, coming back in, it's it's weird, like back into the home dressing room. The SCG was really strange. I've only been in there once. It was looking around, look up, see my name on the board. That was that was quite nice. And then everyone's got their spots in the dressing room and I'm coming in late. I was like, oh, where do I sit? But for, weirdly, I've, I'm sitting in the same spot I sat six years ago. That was going to ask, yeah. Um, yeah, like so there was Davey um, sitting next to me and I was like, anyone there? And he's like, no, you sit there. And I was like... Awesome, like that's where I sat. I got really good memories there. Um, so it was, it's a weird how like over so long, six years that that's I'm back in the same spot. It's it's a strange feeling. Yeah, full circle kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. The the reason you've got good memories is because you made a ton out there, right? Yeah, it's um very my only test hundred. Um, 
amazing game. I, I absolutely love the. I've always loved the Sydney Test just because of sort of the McGrath Foundation. There's a lot of amazing cricket games that have happened here over the years. Um, the India in I think it's 2008, the South Africa in 2009. Those really come to mind. Where I'd be down the Gold Coast with my cousins playing backyard cricket, and then we'd come in and. I remember that Sydney test um, 2009. I was driving up from the Gold Coast um, back to Brisbane and we were listening to on on ABC and then Graham Smith walks out as we're pulling into the drive and it was like, come on, Dad, hurry up. we got to get back and watch. Um, but, no, I, I just love the atmosphere around the Sydney test and it's it's obviously those great memories because of the, the 100 as well. Yeah, I imagine, I imagine it would be. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you about uh, is you you put a picture on your Instagram the other day of I think when you came to Kirribilli House. I imagine for that that yeah. back in 2016. Yeah, what I'm talking about, and then it was kind of like a then and then and now. Yeah, you're going to meet the the PM. I mean, first of all, what was it like to meet the uh, you know a different prime minister this time? But also, how have you changed as a person since you know that that photo, that young fresh faced Matt that we saw? <laughs> Yeah, we were uh, we we're on the way to to Kirribilli yesterday, and I was looking through my camera roll and showed Jose the photo of of me and her, and it was like six years. We were twenty, um, well, like didn't know anything. We we're just wet behind the ears, just didn't know what was going on. Meeting the prime minister at that point was like, how are we doing this? Like, I always like to to reference uh, Forrest Gump when I'm meeting someone <laughs> like a I met the president um, again. And it was like, oh, I've just managed to – I sent a photo to my family and mum and dad were like, oh, you met the, the Prime Minister again. Um, but it was like – it was weird because I, I played in that PMs game in Canberra. And so he came in and we, like, introduced. And I think that at the time he sort of was like, oh, yeah, like knew a few faces. And then yesterday when we when we saw him, he was like, oh, well done in that game. I was like, oh, thanks. It was a selector's choice. Um, it, was, it was nice <laughs> to have your backing. He was like, yeah, no, it was a good selection by me. Um, but it's strange, like, the people you meet throughout your, your career, career, like you rub shoulders with like the Prime Minister, the Dalai Lama, like a few people that you just like, if I was on the street, I'd never – imagine meeting these people and it's like no this now 26 year olds getting to go to Kirribilli house on new year's day it's pretty special having bands with the pm yeah yeah i imagine when you were 20 you probably didn't have the confidence no no i was just standing there just shaking hands i was sort of just oh like thank you for having us sort of like all this all the stuff that you thinks about doing but you never really think about joking with him uh well 2016 was turnbull yeah turnbull yeah and now I'll go, there you go. I think we've had a few prime ministers. Yeah, we've had a, had a couple between <laughs> them. Um, haven't met any of them, though. Yeah, yeah. In your uh, in your future, mate, I'm sure. Now, I want to ask you about, um, you know, the way you guys were training today. And I'm not sure if this was particularly new, but it, it seemed like there, there were almost no new balls at all. It was all reverse swinging old balls. Tell, tell me if that's true, first of all, and, and what, what was that kind of like? Um, I think so. I think that I wasn't in the first net rotation, so I didn't see the, how the nets were playing at the start, but I think a few of the boys were saying that the nets were a little bit dicey and, and probably a bit unrealistic to what might happen out in the in the middle, so they were trying to recreate what might happen out in the middle as much as possible. But, yeah, the those reverse swing balls were, were quite tough getting in against um, Camo and Lance. Um, that was a, a good test. Um, there's a few balls there that play the line and miss by 
two meters, but um, still didn't get out, which is the the main thing when you're playing against those guys. Yeah, and I mean reverse swinging balls and on seeming wickets almost seems like yeah, it's absolute carnage. Like you you look at those wickets and and if you assume what was on a square of those wickets, you go, there's no chance the ball's going to reverse swing here, and then it's just absolutely hooping. Um, so it's a it's a really good challenge. It's probably something that. Um, especially with India coming up as well um, as a batting group they're going to have to start thinking about reverse swing and, and, and a bowling group it's mm. an important thing and I think that was something they used so well in, in the Pakistan series um, and with other countries going to Pakistan as well you're seeing a lot more reverse swing conditions coming in How have you personally kind of evolved as a batter in those kind of conditions because they're not you know, someone who grows up in Queensland, they're not the kind of conditions you face too often, right? Yeah, I think it's um, it's something that batting at number five definitely helped. Um, mm. I think my first, my second game or something at five, I came out and it was reverse swinging and I was like, well, this is so strange. Um, but then I think back opening this year, we, we played at, at Dremoyne Oval and I batted a long time. They got, The ball got reverse swing up quite early in that game but managed to face that bowling attack and a, and a lot of reverse swinging conditions was actually I think really positive for me because it gave me time out in the middle where as, a, as an opener you don't really get reverse swinging conditions unless you play in those play in the conditions um, but it was sort of working out reverse swing in terms of sometimes you're not going to score for a while sometimes you're going to get on a little bit of run and score but it's about absorbing as much as you can and um, that game we had Benny Dorshus bowling left arm, Sean Abbott, Chris Tremaine bowling right arm. So it was sort of the best of all conditions because we got to experience both. Normally you, you get guys just a lot of right armers traditionally, but seeing guys like Starkey use reverse swing as well is probably something that's really important to be able to develop. And that game, you got 200 not from, from memory, if I'm right in saying that. You're not, you're not going to offer that up, but I will. Uh, Nathan Lyon bombed a lot of overs as well. Tell us what, first of all, that challenge was like and just how you played, you know, spin in general. I think back to when you first went to India in 2017 and you're, you're facing Ravi Ashwin and, and Jadeja and these guys. How, what's that process been like? Yeah, I think it's it's something I've always enjoyed facing spin. Um, as an opener, I never really got the opportunity to face a lot of spin. It was always you face the new the new ball bowlers, then the the first change guys come on. Um, you might get one over of spin before lunch, the token one. Um, but that India series, they opened the bowling the first test with spin, and I was sort of okay. Well, this is a whole new challenge. But yeah, facing Gaz was a, a really good experience for me. Um, this year, I've managed to, to bat a long time against Simon Armour as well in England and then um, Gaz in that game um, at Dremoyne. So it was a, a good experience seeing how Gaz went about it, how Harmer went about it, what sort of ways they were trying to get me out. And it was, a like, it was, I think, a nice process. I went to Sri Lanka um, as well with the A Tour and felt really good. Um, unfortunately, got a golden in the last innings, just missed one on the inside, which I think that's where that discipline comes in with with batting is just trying to continue to to play the way how you want to. I, I was annoyed at myself because it's sort of like when you face a seam bowler and if you're happy to get LBW, you've seen, you've heard like Steve Smith and Marnus talk about this. Um, I was happy sort of if I got nicked off, but getting hit on the pad was something that I was, didn't want to and unfortunately mm-hmm. got out LBW. And it's something that probably going over to the subcontinent is really important is, is managing to keep batting how you want to bat. Mm. When you talk about what Smith and Marnus talking about there, is that kind of the attitude of them saying, uh, you know, I'm going to stand in my front of my stumps. If you're good enough to hit me on the pad, good luck to you. Is that? Cop- yeah, I think I think like 
when I was younger, I had no idea about that sort of thing. But yeah. the way that some guys talk about batting, Steve in particular, when I was when I was coming through, it was sort of that was something he'd always sp- spoken about, and it didn't really click until a couple of years ago that that was what I wanted to do. I'd sort of I was always batting in the same spot, um, always batting on middle, no trigger or anything. But I think the way that my games developed is I've managed to be able to adapt whether. If I feel like the pitch is going underground, going further away and just trying to hit every ball or if it's seeming, moving around the crease. So I think that's something where as a batter it's I've definitely developed and it's it's something that I'd sort of recommend all young batters to do as well is to try and just practice doing different things. And something it was he always talks about at Queensland is just going and practicing different scenarios, different places to bat. Because if you go out in the middle and you've got to learn on the go, it's quite hard. But if you've done all the the preparation as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I imagine that batting at number five would have opened up your mind to a lot of those kinds of things. Was going down there a choice? Did you did you want to bat there? Um, it was a choice to get in the Queensland yeah. team. Um, we had we were having a, a great batting lineup in those couple of years. Um, Bryce Street had come in and, and done really well um, opening the batting, scored a few hundreds. Um, and I'd, I'd been dropped when all the Aussie boys had come back. Um, so then... I had to really, it was the first time I'd been dropped from, from the Queensland team because it was sort of, I was always thinking about playing for Australia and I'd, I just started struggling, um, with my batting and, and my mindset. So it was sort of at that point, I had a couple of choices to make. I, I could have just waited two games for the Aussie boys to leave again and come back in and, and try and do well. But I think a, a lot of guys, uh, um, would think that is the best way to go about it. But for me, it was I needed to take a break. Um, I'd had a massive big bash with with the Heat. It's played every game, which I'd never done before. Um, was player of the tournament there for the Heat. Um, and then I just needed a little break. And unfortunately, I couldn't get that at the time. Um, so it sort of had to take it on myself, which was a, a massive call for me. Um, could have been the end of my Queensland career, but I knew that at that point, I, I knew I needed to change something, and, and that was the the big decision. And then coming back in, uh, we had our COVID season, um, and it was weird. Like that preseason was at the start of COVID, so we didn't really know what we were doing. It was come into train, you've probably got a half an hour time slot, and then you've got to go home. And it was weird because I'd come in and I'd be like, well, I'd have only this half an hour time and I'm trying to reinvent my whole batting technique and mindset and stuff. And you're like, no, you've got half an hour against sidearms. It was like, okay, I've really got to use that half an hour to my advantage and, and how am I going to improve myself? And I think the, the conversations that I could have um, online as well, like picking up the phone and calling a few people was was big as well. Um, probably changed the, the world a lot, COVID, um, with a lot more online and that sort of thing in the workplace but yeah it was um it was something that was a real challenge but yeah it got got there in the end and and got to that number five spot who were the phone, who were the um, phone calls that you kind of made uh, a little bit of uzi um, a little bit of the coaches um just trying to work out the best way to go about things um that year that i got dropped i was sort of fiddling with a trigger um I felt like I couldn't access the short ball well enough and then I wasn't getting forward enough because I was thinking about the short ball. Um, but it was it's never a good time in the middle of a shield season or a shield game to, to go out there and try and change your trigger. So I went in that preseason and went, I'm going to change my trigger, I'm going to stick to it. And I think I still do that trigger 
the, for the most part, if occasionally it changes here and there just naturally. But, yeah, just trying to stick to the same thing and uh, stuck to it and it was hard. There was times where I was like, no, do I stop my trigger? Do I go further? But it's just sort of developed from there and um, feeling really good. So you're back opening now and when you put all, all this really fascinating stuff that you're talking about, about your journey, I guess, from the six years ago since you last played Test Cricket, and, and it really does sound like a like a journey if you get the nod to, to play in this test that you're batting at you know batting at five or six which isn't where you've been batting for for queensland you feel like all all that stuff you're kind of talking about will prepare you pretty well to um you know potentially make runs yeah definitely i think it's having gone through this experience i i feel like i can bat anywhere in the order um i always felt like i could but i never had the the opportunity i think that's can sometimes be a curse for openers. It's like you're good at opening, keep opening. Mm. Whereas I'd always batted in the middle order in one-day cricket and T20 and then when they saw the opportunity for, for where I was going to fit in the side, it was that five position and uh, um, I think it was sort of the the best thing for me at the time was to go, you're going to bat five, we're going to see how you go. And and we had Manus and Uz and Burnsy available the whole year. So it wasn't like it was uh, they'll go away soon and you can slide up the order. It was no, you're the highest you can bat this season's five. And, and we won the Shield that year, but it was because all of our batters were doing what they needed to do. And um, at times I came in in the fifth over, at times I came in in the 105th over. So it was like working out how to deal with that patience of waiting rather than I always made a joke I've never sat in the dressing room before I batted it's always after I've nicked off mm. so it's like I was sitting in the dressing in the waiting area viewing area just like I haven't batted yet like I need to like think about that rather than like I was nick off and walk off and just start joking around with all the boys but I think that made me more comfortable being able to do that you're, you're almost as an opener. You're almost conditioned to sit in the changing room while your team is batting and kind of be miserable, right? Yeah, you, you walk off and you're never sitting in the rooms like unless you get a hundred or something. You're never sitting in the rooms being like level. You're thinking yeah. you're either low or high. You're never like that. So it was like sitting there. Like I, I try to be quite a, a jokey person, but like I'm still being serious with my cricket. So I sort of joke around with the people around me. Um, Probably sometimes to a curse to the, the boys around me. Um, a few boys might have left intentionally, but um, no, it was just um, it was just a great experience. So it's fair to say you're not the turtle anymore. Um, I've tried not to be too much coming back in. Um, I think I've obviously matured a lot um, in the six years. I feel like I can have adult conversations with a few of the guys, which I didn't probably didn't feel like I could talk to any of them back in the day. Um, but no, it's. Um, at times I can still be the turtle, but it's more um, just being myself when I come back in around now. Yeah, that's nice. And the final um, piece of all this that I want to ask you about was being a dad. Um, what's that been like? What's it changed for you in your life? What's it changed for you in your mindset? Uh, it's definitely changed my sleeping habits. Um, I was talking to, to a few of the boys and they were like, oh, what time did you wake up this morning? And, and normally if we had like a a 12.30 net session and I had nothing on in the morning. I wasn't playing golf. Um, it would be I'd sleep till 10 or something. This morning I was up at 7.30 to a crying baby and a, a wife who was quite tired as well. Um, but, no, it's um, definitely changed my perspective on things. I've, I probably haven't had a lot of time to to do much of uh, that I'd done in the past. Like if I came home, I'd be straight on the PlayStation or something. I haven't touched my PlayStation in three weeks, four weeks. Um, it's more like what do I need to do to help um, Josie out? Um, but that's that's the big one. It's it's coming home and 
you don't you don't think too much about cricket because you got to try and keep this baby alive um, and feed it and change its nappy. Um, pretty getting pretty good at nappy for three weeks. I'm pretty proud of myself um, with the nappy changes, but they can be quite chaotic. Chaotic. I imagine it would be. Um, well, we uh, we look forward to potentially seeing you in action in this test, Matt. And um, yeah, we're all interested to see um, see how you go. Maybe this test and then beyond as well. Oh, thank you for having me.